T.S. Eliot was a Nobel Prize winner in literature, considered one of the major writers, poets, playwrights of the 20th century. And in one poem he wrote, he asked a series of penetrating questions. His inquiry was this, what is it that really matters in life versus what only seems to matter? What really matters? What really should my goals in life be versus maybe what they are? And then how do you decide? How do you decide what really matters versus what only seems to matter? In truth, this is an issue that dogs us our entire lives. What matters really over what only seems to matter and how to decide. Because the truth is, even if we come to grips with what really matters in our current situation, our circumstances can change. And what really matters in this light may not really matter over here. For instance, when people grow into adulthood, things really change. You have to make some decisions in your life that you never had to make before. You're going to go to college. You're going to start working. What job? What opportunities? Lots of decisions. And in that period of time, what really matters is extremely important versus what only seems to matter. And then you get married. And things change. And you have to, again, evaluate what really matters versus what only seems to matter. And then children come along. And again, you're faced with this question. What really matters? Well, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 discusses this very issue. In fact, Paul would say that what really matters throughout our entire lives is how we love. What really matters in the Christian life, the highest goal and purpose is love. The greatest of these is love. Now, last week, <clears throat> we began looking at Paul's description of a more excellent way. You remember in 1 Corinthians 12, he was talking about using spiritual gifts and serving one another and being used of God to bless other people. But then he says, but let me show you now a more excellent, mega great way. And then he draws this 
masterpiece of what love is. And last week, we saw that the first brush stroke in this masterpiece was a word called patience. That love expresses itself by being patient with others. By being long-suffering, being slow to anger, being long-tempered even when provoked. Patience. We move forward this morning to the next description of agape. In 1 Corinthians 13, we find the term kindness. Love is patient, suffering long, slow to anger, will not respond even if provoked. That's the expression of God's love. And then he said, not only is love patient, but it's kind. Kind or kindness is kind of a funny word, somewhat difficult really to get get your hands around. But there is one passage that will help us in understanding this reality. And that's Romans 2 verse 4. But before we get there, let me just remind you that again... When we are talking about these attributes of love, the issue is not, can I be more patient with people? The issue is not, can I be more kind with people? That's not the primary issue. Our call from God is not to imitate these qualifications. Instead, The reason is because we will fail, and we will fail miserably. I've been failing, you've been failing, we can't do it. So the only way to be able to love like this, whether it be in your home, at church, uh, the, the only way we will ever be able to express these realities It's when we are filled with God's Spirit and the Spirit of God bursts these through us. So keep that in mind as we go through here. This is not really a test in how do I measure up. We we all know how we measure up, okay? (laughs) We, We fail miserably. And that's what the flesh will do every time. I mean, I, I may be patient with someone once, maybe twice, on a good day, three times, but I'm going to get tired of it, you know? And um, the only way I can love someone this way is through the filling of God's Spirit. Romans 2, 4. A wonderful passage that <clears throat> uh, you need to circle and remember uh, uh, Put it in your mind and understand this is who God is. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his 
kindness is intended to turn you from your sin. So the kindness of God says this. You deserve my rebuke. But in his kindness, I'm not going to respond that way. Kindness is both a withholding of deserved rebuke and it is an act of grace regardless of circumstances. The kindness of God, His withholding judgment, withholding punishment, His holding back from us, he says, is what he uses often to lead us into repentance. So again, kindness is both withholding deserved judgment and it is inserting an act of undeserved grace. <clears throat> this goes in hand with Proverbs 25, 22 and Romans 12, 20, telling us if we will be kind to our enemies and bless them, uh, even when they injure us, it can have the effect of pouring hot coals upon their head. To this day, I will never forget an event that took place back around 1980. I was in college, <clears throat> and it was during the days that I was playing softball. And there was a team that called me and asked me if I would play with them in Abilene, and I said that I would. There was this big tournament in Abilene. It was called an open tournament, so that... Uh, only the best teams around came to play in these open tournaments. And there were some good teams. This was, this was not softball recreation, okay? This is not a rec league. Uh, this was a big tournament, and so I told this team that I would play with them. I knew that there would be high expectations from this team. You know, I knew that there, there would be a lot of stress and tension involved in playing the game, because these dudes were serious about their softball. So in the first inning, uh, we, we batted. Our team batted first. And I don't remember where I was in the lineup. But we had one out. I came up to bat. I, I got a single, so I got on first base. So there's one out. I'm on first base. The guy hitting behind me hits a grounder to second base. The second baseman turns and throws it to the shortstop to touch second base, making me out. And then he throws the ball to first base, making the runner, the, the hitter out. So it was a double play. A double play looks something like this. Watch this. Hits the ball to second, to short, then to first. That's what happened. However, and to this day I still maintain this, <laughs> When the shortstop took the ball, he missed the bag. 
So I'm sliding headfirst into second. I see he missed the bag. The umpire calls us a double play. I jump up and start yelling at the umpire that the dude missed the bag. He missed the bag. The umpire still said I was out. So I ran over to the shortstop, and I put my finger in his face, and I said, You missed the bag! You missed the bag! Kind of like that. <laughs> he just stood there a minute. I'm still sitting on the, on the ground hollering and complaining in my huff. And the shortstop walks up to me and said, you know, I, I didn't mean to offend you. I didn't mean to upset you. And he turned around and left. <clears throat> to say that was unexpected <laughs> would be an understatement. I said, they're stunned. In, in sports, you don't see kindness. This is competition. This is, this is a fight to win. You don't see someone offering you an act of kindness or withholding deserved consequences. But this guy did. I was about 20 years old. And 40 years later, I still remember that event. I jumped up and I ran across the field and I caught up with that shortstop. And I said, dude, I am so sorry. I said, I feel humiliated. And what I did, and your response to me. I said, thank you for that act of kindness. Forty years later, that event still swirls in my mind. <clears throat> There's just something about that first time, or it was for me that I realized what kindness was and the impact and the effect that it can have in people's lives. It was an event that I wish I could tell you changed my life completely, but it didn't. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that I learned something from that so, that so that throughout my life I have shown kindness to people, but I'd be lying like a dog. There are times when God's Spirit is very real and filling me that I would show kindness to people. But other times, not so much. There are only, I guess, a couple of places in life that we can find kindness. Some, some people have been able to develop a kindness in their home. Like there's, an, there's an, a spirit or an atmosphere 
of grace and joy. And everybody treats treats each other, for the most part, with love and kindness. Some homes have been able to develop that. Some churches have been able to develop a spirit of kindness within their fellowship so that people feel really safe, so that people feel really loved, so that people know that they're not going to face harsh, critical, legalistic judgments, that they're going to be shown kindness. Because the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. But you know, there's some places you won't find kindness. Like the athletic field. For instance, your workplace. Your workplace knows very little, if anything, about kindness. I mean, it's, it is a dog-eat-dog world. You know, it's every man for himself, kill or be killed. Kindness doesn't fit well in that structure. Maybe <clears throat> in your home, maybe you've not been able to create in your home that kind of atmosphere. And you want to very badly. Let me tell you where to start. If you really want to make a change in the atmosphere of your home, you got to start it. It starts with you. And you take this very seriously. If, if anything we learn from 1 Corinthians 13, it is the fact that God is very serious about love. We bypass love, we miss Him. There are places you rarely see kindness, like your neighborhood. Um, There's always one, right, in the neighborhood. Maybe he was the guy that shoveled his snow off of his walk and threw it onto your grass. Maybe he's the kind of guy that walks his dog and pauses in front of your house every time. To let the dog do his business. But there's something about that neighbor or that neighborhood that in in circumstances like that, if we would drop just a little bit of kindness, a drop of kindness in a pool of tension and frustration, anxiety, what could that do? 
the Bible <coughs> uh, is very clear on this issue. The Bible says it this way. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Proverbs 15.1. Proverbs 25.15. For by long forbearance, a ruler is persuaded, but soft speech breaks down bone-like resistance. And then Proverbs 16.24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the mind and healing to the body. What we say, how we respond in our relationships. How many, how many family holidays have you had that have been ruined because of tension within the family, extended family? How many funerals have blown up. I've seen them. Where the police have had to be called. Because of stress, tension, and division within families. There is someone, perhaps, that God has put on your mind this morning. A relationship. Maybe it is with your mate. Maybe your marriage needs a dose of kindness, a drop of kindness. Maybe parenting, maybe with your children. Maybe there, there is such uh, uh, tension between you and your child. Maybe... A drop of kindness. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's in other realms. But this morning, God has put somebody on your heart. And you can do one act of kindness by self-will. You won't like it. <laughs> Your attitude will be kind of sappy, but, but you can't show kindness, goodness in the joy of the Lord, in the peace of God, in the way that God can use it unless you ask God to fill you with His Spirit. And to fill you with love for that person. We've all got people like that. Their, their, their faces are just popping up like those little talk bubbles and cartoons. And maybe this week, God would lead you to speak kindness to someone. To withhold a rebuke deserved. And to just interject into their lives a drop of this 
holy ointment that helps the mind of the person, heals the body. Kindness. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Dr. Johnny Thunderberg at Highland Baptist Church in Clovis, New Mexico. We would love to have you join us one Sunday at 10 a.m. at 2201 North Main Street. You can find us online at highlandclovis.com or search for us on Facebook at hbc.clovis. Have a fantastic day.